Good morning. Welcome to the services this morning. We've been studying about the apostles for the better part of a couple of months now. And this morning, as was announced last week, I'm going to talk about uh, the Apostle Peter. So the Apostle Peter, you'll see St. Peter's Basilica in the background there in Rome, which is part of Vatican City. St. Peter's probably one of the more well-known apostles. In fact, uh, probably from a character standpoint, is developed as well as any of the apostles that we have. So as Matt said last week, my challenge is to try to get that condensed for you into something that means something this morning. Probably, uh, you know, maybe with the exception of um, the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, but even the Apostle Paul... We don't know kind of as an, a younger man, you know, we, we meet him kind of on the road to Damascus or whatever, and we hear his story. Peter, we see him developed through the, the life of Christ and through the, through the uh, death and the burial and the resurrection, and we see, uh, we learn a lot about Peter. And I can tell you, Peter's probably the one that I relate to the most, and you'll be able to tell why as we talk about him here in a few minutes. But um, the beautiful uh, St. Peter's Basilica there, he's, uh, he is probably, from a Catholic perspective, one of the most important apostles that lived. I believe they consider him to be their first pope. But for us, St. Peter was an apostle, and he tells us a lot about how to live the Christian life. And he tells us a lot about personalities. And we're going to talk about that for a moment. We're going to talk about history real quick. So uh, Peter lived from approximately 1 B.C. to about 67 B.C. And again, this is historical stuff. We don't have, none of this is exact, but he lived 68, 69 years on this earth. His original name was Simon, which means to hear. He was from the village of Bethsaida, which is in uh, the province of Galilee. He was a fisherman by trade. And Andrew uh, was his brother, was also an apostle. He wrote first and second Peter, and that date varies widely between about 45 and 65 A.D. So before the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70, he was, it was written primarily to the Jews. And this was one that I didn't actually know. He was thought to have dictated or superintended the gospel of Mark by a lot of people. So Mark wasn't with Jesus when Jesus was here on this earth, so he had to have gotten that information from somebody. And a lot of people think that that came from Peter. And you'll see that if you study Peter, there's a huge relationship between um, Mark and Peter. He was killed by Nero Caesar in Rome. And um, the historians tell us he was crucified up down, upside down. And the story goes he didn't feel worthy to be crucified like his master. So he asked to be crucified upside, upside down. Not necessarily biblical, can't prove it. That's uh, what the historians uh, tell us about him. But one thing we do know is that he was crucified. Jesus tells us in John chapter 21 and verse number 18, beginning, Truly, truly, I say unto you, when you were young, you used to, he's talking to Peter here, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This, he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus there tells Peter that he's going to be stretched out. He's going to have his hand stretched out. But in that death, 
he will uh, glorify God. It says there that um, he would be led a place he didn't want to go, and I don't think that at all means that Peter didn't want to sacrifice his life for Christ. I think it just means nobody wants to die. When you're led to your death, that's a place you don't want to go. But he was obviously very willing to give his life for his master. It says there his death was to glorify God. So Peter is ultimately put to death in in Rome. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Peter's character. And this is where... This is where I can relate to Peter, because when you think about impulsive and spontaneous and maybe a little rash, that can be me sometimes. When you think about Peter, he was definitely those kinds of things. In Mark chapter 1, he invites Jesus, very early in the relationship, he invites Jesus back to his house, even though his mother-in-law is sick in the bed. So if you've just met a friend or whatever, and your wife is homesick in the bed, are you going to invite her back to your house? Or invite that friend back to your house with your wife sick in bed? Probably not. That would be considered rude. That would be considered spontaneous. That would be considered maybe acting before you think, right? So you can start to see that character develop in him. In Matthew chapter 14, he commands Jesus to call him on, to him on the water. Jesus is walking out to meet him on the water. And he says, command that I should come to meet you. And we know that story, right? He gets out there on the water. The water starts, waves, and he starts to sink, and Jesus has to save him. But he was spontaneous. He was very impulsive. John chapter 18 cuts the ear off the high servant, right? When they come to get Jesus in the garden, he cut the, high, the servant of the high priest, I'm sorry. He cuts his ear off. Jesus has to heal that. Very spontaneous, very rash. In John chapter 21, this is after the resurrection. Jesus is walking on the coastline, and they're out there fishing. And, and um, he realizes it's Jesus, and um, he's, he's, uh, he's taken his coat off, puts his coat on, plunges into the water, and swims to shore. Very spontaneous, very rash reaction to what's going on. And then uh, Matthew chapter 26, curses and swears at the denial of Jesus. Very rash so when Jesus is being on trial, he's, he curses and swears and denies that uh, Jesus was uh, his friend. So he was very presumptuous. Let's look at this little story. Now after six days, Jesus, this is in uh, Matthew chapter 17. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well well pleased. Hear ye him. So Peter's there, and Jesus is transfigured, and he's talking with Moses and Elijah. And it says, Peter answered. And, and, and so he, he kind of interrupts this conversation to say, hey, let's build a tabernacle to the three of you. This is a pretty cool thing. It's a good thing we were here, you know, being very presumptuous, to which God says, it's about my son. You're, you're being presumptuous here, Peter, that this was some deal to, about these other three people. This is about my son. Hear ye him. I'm well pleased. Get your focus right. I think about this story a lot. I tell, I tell, my, tell my guys at work when we're going into a meeting, I say, make sure if you're going to talk, 
make sure it's something that needs to be said and not just something you want to say because there's a huge difference there. Don't be presumptuous. Don't be rash. Don't be just talking to show who you are to get the focus of the room on you. Make sure that what you're going to say means something and it's important. Peter didn't learn that lesson right there. He interrupts. He says, let's build a tower. And Jesus and God says, no, 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 no. This is about my son. Hear ye him. Very presumptuous. He was also bold. Now, don't... I'm giving you some examples where Peter might have made a mistake, but these characteristics can also be good things, right? If you presume that in this pasture there's snakes, and that causes you to keep an eye out and watch for snakes, then that's a good presumption. So being presumptuous doesn't necessarily mean something's bad, but it can be. So uh, Matthew chapter 16, we remember the story there. Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Very bold. But he later on in Matthew chapter 16 actually rebukes the Lord. If you remember that story. Jesus Jesus has said, you know, I'm not going to be with you forever. I'm ultimately going to die. And Peter says, no, 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 no. Suffer it not to be so, Lord. Don't say, don't talk like that. And the Lord says, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? To Peter. Because Peter was being bold there when maybe he shouldn't be. Chapter 26 of Matthew, Peter says, I will never stumble. That's pretty bold. It's pretty bold. That's coming out there, man. That's putting yourself out there. And in uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and in Proverbs, it tells us that that haughty spirit comes before a fall. Corinthians says, let, take heed, take heed, he who thinks, let me, let me, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. I'll get it right in a minute. I get all my heeds and thinks. Tells us to be careful about being too bold. Be careful about thinking that we're in control well, our, our, uh, our friend Peter goes through a pivot point in his life, and I want to talk about that for a minute. And then I want to talk about maybe some choices and things like that, that that we faced, that Peter faced, and see if we can learn from some of those. So this pivot point, most of you know about it, happens in Luke chapter 22. Having arrested him, him being Jesus, they led Jesus and brought Jesus. All these capital hymns are Jesus. The little hymns will be Peter. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This, is, this man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, he denied him. Peter denied Jesus, saying, Woman, I do not know him. After a little while, another saw him and said, You are also of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. 
Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. It doesn't say Peter went out and sobbed a little bit or had a little tear come out of his eye. He wept bitterly. The kind of bitter weeping when we lose a loved one. The kind of bitter weeping when it hurts from our very core. Peter was broken. Peter realizes that his good friend, the very one he said was the Christ, the Son of the living God, he had just denied three times. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute when we talk about choices. But this is the beginning of kind of a rough week for Peter. For all of Christianity, if you will. Beginning of a rough week for Peter. He's going to deny his Savior. He's going to see his Savior beaten. He's going to see his Savior crucified. He is going to then see his Savior resurrected. And there's a breakfast meeting after that resurrection that I want to bring your attention to. It says in John chapter 21, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say unto you, this is the prophecy we read earlier. Most assuredly, I say unto you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will be stretched. You will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So we go through we go through things in our life, right? If you decided to follow Jesus, there was a pivot point, right? There was a point when you said, hey, I'm not doing all the things I need to be doing, or I'm not doing some things I need to be doing. We call it repentance, right? We turn away and we, we, we decide to go a new way, a new life. This is what's going on with Peter here. He's denied his Savior three times, the cock crew. He wept bitterly. Now the Lord is restoring him. If you'll notice, three times, the same number of times he denied him is the same number of times that the Lord restores him here. Three times. Do you love me? Tend to my flock. Feed my sheep. And if you recognize Peter, you'll notice that he had, early in those pictures, he had the keys of the kingdom in one hand and a scroll in the other, right? He's told him he's got the keys of the kingdom. He's going to be the one that starts the church. It's important that he loves him enough to tend his sheep, to feed his sheep, to take care of his flock. The breakfast meeting that changed Peter's life. The denial that changed Peter's life and turned his life around. So let's talk about Peter post-cross. He's still bold. Remember the story in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost? Peter's still bold. The Holy Spirit's coming and people start talking in languages that they've not learned. There's confusion all going on. People say these people are drunk. And Peter stands up in the midst of all of that and says, these people aren't drunk as you suppose, seeing it is only the third hour. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel talked about. 
The church is coming. Let me tell you about that. You guys crucified this Jesus. His kingdom is coming today. Very bold. Stands up in front of all of them. He becomes selfless instead of selfish. So before it was kind of all about Peter. Now it's all about Jesus. It's all about the church. Look at this passage. So before you look at that passage, let me set it up for you. Um, John and Peter are going to the uh, temple. On the way to the temple, or in the, on the way into the temple, they're going there because it's it's the uh, three six ninth hour of the day. It's time for prayers, three o'clock in the afternoon. They're going there to teach. On the way in, they find a lame man, been lame since birth, and they heal that lame man, and that's where our story picks up. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So Peter wanted everybody to know very plainly, this isn't me. It's not my holiness. It's not my godliness that made this man whole. I want you focused on me. I want you focused on the Christ, the one that you crucified, the one that you told your rulers to crucify, made your rulers crucified, took a murderer instead, crucified the Prince of Light. He was also humble. Look at this. He wrote himself in First uh, Peter chapter five. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. A very different Peter post-cross than it was pre-cross, right? Peter wasn't. Peter was bold and petulant. And now he's like, humble yourselves. God doesn't like the proud. He wants you to be humble. So let's switch gears real quick. Let's talk about choices. Because Peter made some. Some were good. Some were bad. And we face those same life choices every day. So choice number one. Are you fishing or following? 
or Luke chapter 5. I didn't put this up there, so we're going to read it. Or I put it up there, but it's, it's not up there. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, Simon Peter, and, bet- and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land that he and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. And when they had, and when they had this done, they enclosed a, multitude, or a great multitude of fishes, and their nets brake. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they might come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John the son of Zebedee which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, for whenceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. So, um, I guess my question is, are we fishing or following? And what that means is, what are, what are you willing to sacrifice for Jesus? These guys just left everything. They left their businesses. They left all their investment in the business. They walked off and left it on the shore and followed Jesus. Are we willing to forsake family and friends and jobs? Maybe all we need is an attitude adjustment. Are we willing to work on ourselves and fix ourselves emotionally and mentally? And I say only. That can be very tough. So choice number one is, are you, are you fishing? Are you involved in this world? Or have you, have you forsaken all and followed Jesus? Choice number two, are you influenced or are you an influencer? And what I mean by that is think about the story. We've already talked about it a little bit. The story when he asks them in Matthew chapter 16, I believe it is, Matthew 16, 13 to 16, he says, who do they say that I am? And they answer, well, some say you're this, and some say, some say you're prophet, some say John the Baptist, and they give them a long list of things that people, maybe prophets or whatever. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter steps up and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So you see, influencing is what everybody else thinks. An influencer, Peter, stepping up and saying, This is who you are. So how do you appear in your daily life? Are you walking along getting influenced by the popular opinion of who things are and what is and what religion is? Or are you influencing that? 
Or are you pulling people aside and going, no, 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 no. This is the truth. This is what the truth looks like. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Are we in being influenced by the things that are going on, by rumors and innuendo? <clears throat> or are we influencing other people for Christ? That's choice number two. Choice number three. Are we fearful or, I should say, or, not of, fearful or faithful? <clears throat> So this is the story in Luke uh, chapter 22 that we read already when uh, Peter is in the courtyard in, in the hours that, that Jesus is on trial and they ask him, are you um, a part, do you know this Jesus, are you part of it? So my question to you is what would you have done? What would you have done? You see the answer here. There's a pretty big dichotomy. One is you can sit over here and lie and say, I don't know the man. The other one is you're probably up there with him. Right? There's a fourth cross. Because if you say, I know him and I'm a follower and he's Jesus, the Son of God, if you're as bold as you were when Jesus is asking you around the campfire back here, you're probably going with him. Just guessing there, but that'd be my guess. So what would you do? Right? So we blame Peter a lot, and we point to Peter and we say, oh, man, Peter really messed up. I mean, <laughs> what would you do? I mean, everything's on the line here. You're not talking about a few fishing boats and some nets now. You're talking about whether you get to live or die. What, what would you do? And this is another interesting way of looking at it. Peter messed up. How do we respond to people that mess up? Right? Is it like a leprosy colony? Colony? Hey, they've sinned. Let's put them out here. They've really messed up. It's not the way Jesus responded to Peter denying him. How do we respond to sin that's going on? We we all do it. There are there certain sins that we're like, ooh, man, they. I don't want to associate with them. Or do we go? Do you love me? Do you love the church? Do you love the Lord? Let's figure out a way to work through this. How do we respond? You know, there, I mean, there, was, there were sins growing up that, man, if I found out that a brother did them, it was just like, it was like the leprosy colony. It was like, man, they don't even, they don't even need to be a part of the church. If they're doing that, they don't even need to be. Now that I'm a whole lot older, maybe more mature, I mean, I can, I can tell you that there's, there's a lot of reasons things happen in this world. People make mistakes. Peter certainly did. And Jesus responded by inviting him to breakfast and saying, do you love me? Feed my sheep. <clears throat> Christ restored Peter three times. Choice number four. <clears throat> Passive or Powerful. So think about Acts chapter 2. We talked about it, right? That very powerful message. People are going around saying, man, these guys are drunk. All these, all these folks over here that were following Jesus, they're drunk. It's third hour of the day, they're drunk. He got up in a very powerful message and opened up the church. <clears throat> James says it this way, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. If he observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what the manner of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one, or this one will be blessed in what he does. James says we've got to be about the business of doing, not just hearing. It's not just hearing. It's not just listening to the sermon of the morning. It's not just reading your Bible. It's about doing. So we have choices. We can fish or follow. We can be influenced or or be or, or influence ourselves. We can be fearful or faithful. We can live a passive or a powerful Christian life. Those are our choices. So that's pretty much the sermon of the, the lesson of the morning. I just hopefully something in there. I won't say it was an aha moment. I'm not saying this is your pivot point, but hopefully there was something in there that you go, wow, I could look at that differently. I could do better there. I could work on that. Because that's the purpose of coming together this morning, right? We were come together and my job was to try to edify you, to try to build you up, to try to make you think about your Christian walk a little differently. Hopefully something in there did that. Peter's a, Peter is just, well, I just love Peter. He's my favorite one because I see myself in Peter. I've messed up, man. I've done things I shouldn't have done, said things I shouldn't have said, been mean to people I shouldn't have been mean to. Man, presumptuous. I've been bold when I should have been quiet. Another one of my favorite sayings is um, better to be thought an idiot than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. I've been there. I mean, I've been there. I've, I've, yeah, that's why I'm so, uh, I coach my guys when you go into the room, man. It makes a difference what's going to be said in this room. Think about what you're going to say. But anyway, hopefully this morning something uh, something in there somewhere can uh, give you a different uh, thought about your walk. That's what this is all about, right? We're going to come around this in a minute. It tells us to tells us to take an account of ourselves. Accounting is debits and credits, right? What do I do good? What do I do bad? What do I need to work on? What's my... But every Sunday, we need to do that, right? Got to get built up. Got to get edified. The lesson of the morning is yours. If we can help you, if you would like uh, for us to pray for you, or if you would like to begin your walk this morning, maybe it is a pivot point for you. I look out across the audience, I see a lot of baptized believers, but maybe you're not. Maybe this is a pivot point for you. Maybe you like Peter you're going to determine that from this point forward, I'm going to follow Jesus. We can do any of that for you today if you would come while we sing the song of invitation.